You're listening to a podcast series from Vietcetera Production. Vietnam is forecasted to be one of the fastest growing economies in Southeast Asia and the world. To understand the dynamics behind Vietnam's miracle growth, Vietcetera meets with business leaders every week to discuss the country's future growth prospects. We also learn about how they build and manage teams and why they think innovation will be key to Vietnam's role in the world order. As an education and tech entrepreneur, Tu Ngo believes in people's inner potential, but she also knows opportunities are not equally distributed. As a startup founder and mastering community builder, it's her goal to build solutions that will enable young entrepreneurs to thrive. She now chairs Yola, a leading online offline English education services company in Vietnam, and also is the founding general partner of Touchstone Partners, an early stage VC fund focused on Vietnam with interests in education, healthcare, consumers, technology, hardware, and climate action. She also co-launched ELSA in 2015. With more titles and leadership positions one can possibly have, who has recently used her connections and resources to help in Vietnam's COVID-19 fight. She spearheaded Project Breathe and provided ventilators and masks to hospitals, as well as served as an information grid connecting government institutions, private donors, hospitals, and volunteers. In this episode of Vietnam Innovators, Tu Ngo also shares how she does all these things, how she tirelessly promotes different advocacies in entrepreneurship and women empowerment, and how she manages to perform the various roles she plays in in the different organizations she leads. What's up, guys? It's your host, Hao Tran here, the CEO of Vietcetera, on for another episode of Vietnam Innovators. Thank you for joining us on this season. It's been a few episodes in now, and we've featured some great uh, guests and hosts, actually. Um, I've been not the only host of this season. We've had Dan Van Rossum, the CEO of Dreamplex, and of course, our chief operating officer over at Vietcetera, Ruby Nguyen, kind of take over the chair and the hot seat for the last few episodes. But now I'm back, and uh, we're we're ready to get rolling. So thank you for tuning in. And before we get started today, um, we'd also like to give a big shout out and thanks to our sponsors, ELSA, which stands for English Language Speech Assistant. It's a app that you can download on the Google Play Store and Apple iOS Store where you can improve your English uh, for pronunciation. And it's all powered by artificial intelligence. So check out the app. ELSA, once again, stands for English Language Speech Speech Assistant. Um, Check them out. Thank you for your sponsorship and your team's support today, Team Elsa. Um, moving to, to the episode today, actually, um, Tu is actually a former co-founder, or rather a co-founder of Elsa. She has a lot to share about the ed tech space, which maybe we'll learn about later uh, in this episode. Um, but moving to today, uh, thank you for your time, too, and thank you for joining the Vietnam Innovators uh, show We'd love to hear from you. What What are you up to nowadays? I know um, you're, you're a VC. Uh, for those of you that don't know what a VC is, it stands for Venture Capital. Uh, quite a shift from her role as an operator at Yola, where she was a director for quite some time and perhaps still is, and perhaps she can shine a bit of light on that. Uh, too, thank you for joining in. We'd love an intro from you, and then we can get started. Yeah. Hi. Hi, Hal. Uh, I mean, thank you, Vicetra, for having me. Uh, I'm actually... Um, doing the same thing that I've been doing for the past, I guess, 10 or 15 years of my life, which is basically finding ways to enable potentials and talents to be fully developed. So in the in, in my former life, I chose education to be an expression of that uh, specific uh, kind of like core mission of my life. And then for now, in the role of VC, I'm actually finding myself talking to various founders who tackling different challenges and social problems in Vietnam 
And, um, you know, my role is basically to also connect the talents together and support them to solve the problems we all care about for Vietnam. Excellent. And uh, the firm that you've co-founded, you're one of the general partners. Um, Mm -hmm. Maybe you can share more about uh, what Touchstone Partners, I believe that's the name of the VC. What's the uh, thesis, investment thesis behind this uh, venture firm? I know it's all the rage in Vietnam now. Everyone's looking at uh, the hottest startups and the hottest VCs. Would love to learn more about what the thesis is, what the mission of Touchstone is, and who else is part of the team as well. Yeah. Actually, do you know what Touchstone is? As an object. Um, I have an idea, but yeah, maybe you can share more. Some some of them. Yeah, so when my co-founder and I were looking for a name that stands for what we really want to accomplish with Touchstone, we came across the name Touchstone, which is uh, you know there are two meanings to it. The first meaning is actually something that you use to test out real gold from fake ones. So it's really. Uh, an expression of us to say, hey, we actually want to look for original founders who are out there building stuff, doing the work, and not just, you know, like want the wannabe kind of type or uh, they just want to do a me too kind of uh, idea based on startups articles they read elsewhere. So we want to look for original um, founders from Vietnam. That's the, the first thesis to it. And the second one, the name of Touchstone actually also means um, to set a new standards for something. It's like when you say, hey, um, something is a touchstone, it's like a reference uh, to which you um, um, you can build, a, you can have a model around. So uh, I've been a founder in Vietnam for the past 10 years and uh, the, the ecosystem has been changing quite a bit. Uh, there are a lot more uh, people coming back from overseas now. There are also a lot more founders who were executives in other um, you know, tech startups in, in Vietnam. So talents-wise, uh, it's there. But in terms of VC, uh, actually, uh, we're still pretty new compared with other ecosystems all over the world. And so the you know the, what is the common standard? What are the common values that we want to build in Vietnam are still there for us to, to shape. Uh, so for Touchstone, we want to look for startups and founders that hold integrity as something that that they hold dear to their core. Um, this is something so that you know later on when they scale the companies, whether it's in Vietnam or globally, they can become you know the professional kind of companies of the world. And um, uh, then you know the other standard that we want to look for is you know, actually uh, um, a simple question that we we ask ourselves whenever we uh, consider whether we invest into a founder or startup or not is that when this particular person or this particular team succeeds, what's the difference it's going to make to Vietnam? And we're here, you know, for 10 years, if not more. Uh, so we, we can afford asking that question. Um, and so you want to see us looking into startups working in healthcare, in renewable energy, in education, and also like, you know, uh, providing financial access to the majority of uh, people in Vietnam. So those are things that we want to really test in our founders. You know, like everyone will say, hey, I want to build the next whatever nice model. But so what? Who's going to be the beneficiary of their model or, or of, you know, what the, the kind of wealth that they create uh, in, in Vietnam? The nuts and bolts of the fund. So it's your first fund. Mm-hmm. Um, I... If I understand correctly, it's around $25 million. Is that right? No. Um, it's, and how it's, many startups? It's, it's more than that. 50, 
Yeah, it's 50, like it's okay. 50 mil fun. Our first close is 30 mil. Yeah, so we're very fortunate to have really good institutional LPs uh, to support us for the first close. And uh, right now, we're already um, investing. Uh, we've been investing in you know, five startups up to now since our first close in May. Excellent. So five startups and you started deploying funds already. What's the makeup of mm. these startups? Are they founders that mm. are, you know, Vietnamese who have studied abroad, Vietnamese that have, uh, you know, run companies in Vietnam? Uh, what kind mm -hmm. of industries are they in? And if you're able to share the names of these companies as well, maybe we can highlight a couple of them on the show today. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you mean the teams that we invest in, right? Not touchstone yes. team. That's right. Yeah, yeah. so... Um, all of them, uh, you know, coincidentally come from a background where they've all been educated overseas. They, uh, you know, they but they grew up in Vietnam and then they came back uh, to to build uh, their next startup. Uh, quite a few of them have some work experience, uh, whether it's in Vietnam or regionally. So we. Uh, we find them to be mature. Actually, in Vietnamese, I would call them like auntie, you know, like people who mature than me, more mature than me. And, and, and I really respect that kind of like expertise. What we can bring to them is that, okay, a lot of them actually still are first-time founders. So a lot of the nuts and bolts of like fundraising or the sort of like back end of your company is something that we are willing to work alongside with them to help them, um, you know, figure out what, what they can build. I find that to be a big challenge, actually. You know, you you mentioned uh, all, if uh, you know, some or if not all of the founders that you've invested mm. in are first time founders. Um, mm. Is that a concern that a lot of your LPs or prospective LPs have, or is that mm. a good thing? It's reflective of the maturity of the startup system, right? Because in Silicon Valley, let's say, um, you know, it's it's often that founders are two, three times into startups now in Vietnam, it's very young. Mm. What, what are some of the kind of opportunities and challenges that you've seen because of that? Yeah, so um, they might be first time founders, but they've been in that particular industry or uh, domain for five years or more. And we, uh, you know, for environments like Vietnam, uh, having the right network, knowing the right regulations is pretty important. And so we actually have a bias for people who know, who come from that particular industry and they might not have started a company in that field before, but they know why uh, something is not uh, really efficient or what is the gap. And they also have the sort of support from that particular industry to them. Um, just uh, gonna tell you, you know, one investment that we did is in Silex. Um, it's a company that's building electrical, uh, electric vehicles for motorbikes in Vietnam. And the founders, they've been in this particular EV field and they, you know, they were PhD in the US in, uh, in, in energy for a while. Um, so you know, in terms of expertise, in terms of like knowing the market insights and, you know, for them, uh, they chose an angle to enter the market, which is B2B, and they selling to logistics companies, to delivery companies. Uh, they're not going for B2Cs. That's because they actually came from the bigger B2C conglomerates of Vietnam, and they know uh, how to supplement them and how to, to work with them later on uh, by focusing on B2B now and focusing on their core technology. Later on, they can bring on the conglomerate to be their partners rather than to you know go head you know, uh, comp competing directly with, uh, with those uh, big conglomerates. 
So that's that's an example of um, um, I guess the kind of founders that we like to work with. One thing that we want to see is whether they are uh, resilient with their own teams. So people who've been together for let's say you know two years and then more, uh, we find that to be you know something that shows they can work together and they can lead each other. And that's something that, that we want to see. Doesn't have to be, you know, they let companies you go IPO or whatnot, but they actually can survive the first year together as a team and as co-founders. And, and that's a really good signal. Hiện nay, Vietcetra Store đã mở bán các sản phẩm trong bộ sưu tập daily Vietcetra thiết kế bởi chính đội ngũ nhà chúng mình nhằm phục vụ cho các hoạt động thương nhật của bạn. Nếu bạn là khán giả trung thành và yêu mến nội dung của Vietcetra thì đừng bỏ qua các sản phẩm này nhé. Xem thông tin chi tiết và đặt mua các sản phẩm tại website store.vietcetra.com hoặc nhấp vào đường link ở phần mô tả để đến cửa hàng trực tuyến của Vietcetra. Excellent. And a lot of these companies are, if not all of them, are Vietnamese based and sell and operate their businesses in Vietnam. Is there a vision that these companies expand beyond Vietnam or are they very much focused um, on just the domestic market? How does that look like when in regards to your investment thesis as well? Yeah, so it depends on the models, obviously. Uh, some of the SaaS models that we've looked into uh, that tend to be more regional and global. Uh, we also have an allocation for more IP-focused kind of startups. So Select is one, and we're uh, talking to a few more for, you know, in terms of biotech or medtech. Uh, these tend to also... You know, uh, the founders are Vietnamese. They might have a team based in Vietnam, but the markets can be uh, anywhere in the world. Uh, but then for mar- uh, for models like marketplaces, um, that tends to be more like they're going to grow up into uh, to be like a local giant. And what do you tell the prospective, uh, you know, investors that might be considering to co-invest with you on these, mm-hmm. these startups that are based outside of Vietnam, based in Singapore, Japan, Korea, the US. Mm. Um, what do you tell them when they might look at the Vietnam market as like, oh, it's 100 million people. But then you look at Indonesia, it's 300 million or close to it. Um, when you look at uh, other Asian markets, why why Vietnam compared to these other Southeast Asian countries for a company to be based out of uh, rather than elsewhere? What are some advantages of being based in Vietnam? Yeah, so in terms of like investors, I mean, the timing of when you enter an investment is uh, pretty important. So for Vietnam, we would like to think it's a little bit like maybe, you know, one or two cycles uh, behind Indonesia. So for the next five or 10 years, this is the the new growth cycle for Vietnam. Uh, for, you know, Indonesia or other markets that are already obvious uh, for a lot of the investment funds and the returns tend to you know go towards like converge towards like an average um, a lot of the research has proven like once you kind of like unlock a secret of the market um, then the you know people most funds actually follow the similar strategies because you know after all there's so many issues and then you know the the top founders will will still be a limited pool um, So Vietnam for now is still, I think it's more like an open secret-ish. So everyone's curious about, but there's still a lot of things to still, you know, we still have to build and prove ourselves as teams of founders and funds. And um, actually on this, that's why for Touchstone, we want to help 
kind of a push for a tone of like collaborating and working with other funds um, and having the founders really uh, knowing when later on when they work with the regional uh, investors what are the standards that they still have to prepare for um, you know it's so easy to feel like hey you know we're still just day one we're in Vietnam we're small so let's do something quick and fast and then we'll deal with something else later on um, but having uh, been through the whole kind of 10-year company building journey myself a lot of things will be more costly to um, to fix later um, and it's always uh, easier and better to prepare yourself for like the international funds early on and what do you mean by prepare for those international funds is it from a level yeah. of corporate governance as in like the legal side of things the finance side of things um, my company we we just raised vietcetera series a ourselves and uh, we find ourselves um a little bit behind when it comes to i mean all startups anywhere i guess uh catching up with things like finance and corporate governance maybe you can shine some light about why vietnamese companies need to think about that now sooner than later especially if they're at that stage um, especially to smooth over concerns that these regional investors might have about the complexity of like Vietnamese law and, and structure and all that. It's hard to have a legal advice of a talk show, um, but in general, international investors want to see proper legal setup, whether the companies are registered in Vietnam or overseas. Um, so licensing is something, you know, it's hard to have from day one, but we want startups to have a plan of like when, they can reach the sort of like legitimacy uh, to operate fully in Vietnam legally. Um, the other thing is in terms of actually um, finance uh, is something that uh, we find a lot of companies, uh, you know, when, when we invest, they might be looking for the first finance manager or the first CFO. And that's when things start to be set up more properly and, and in, a, in a more organized manner uh, and having the advantage of being local we actually know the nuances of like things like you know little things of like tax or or labor law um, so what can we still tolerate but actually set our standards so that they can eventually fix it and work towards something that's you know clean and proper to 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 the regional investors. Um, but that's on really on the back end of companies. I actually find for both uh, regional investors and in founders in Vietnam, um, the challenge might be actually meeting somewhere with the storytelling. Um, so when I raise money for Yola or the early days of Elsa, having to pitch to international investors why English learning is a big market um, not just for Vietnam, not just for Asia, but you know, in a lot of other countries. But a lot of the investors, like it or not, they come from like a native speakers kind of like market. So they might not really have the sort of like intuitive empathy to it. And that that's actually very important for all these stage investors because they're not going to be models or numbers for us to really make a, a fully analytical decision on. So really understanding intuitively intuitively why this problem is something that a lot of people uh, are having and then uh, really being uh, behind the founders for that. Um, so that, I think for a lot of the international investors, we, uh, you know, because of COVID, this might be harder, but we would love to see them to be on the ground more uh, and then really chatting with, with the founders uh, in Vietnam and to understand whether the problems that they're pitching to them uh, are 
you know, real in substance um, and not just another me too idea, but vice versa. So you're going to see a lot of the good models elsewhere that can be replicated in Vietnam, but maybe with local twists um, in terms of like, you know, execution or uh, go to market. Um, so when, when, when that happens, can the conversation be at a level when, you know, like everyone's actually understanding each other in the same page? Because I have a lot of people saying, hey, actually, is this like a XYZ of Vietnam? Because they understand that in Indonesia, they understand that in China, and they understand that in the US. And then we're like, okay, that's a good start, but you know, let's figure out the kind of nuances underneath it. Thanks for sharing about like a little bit more about the back end of how Vietnamese companies are perceived regionally. Um, I'd love to talk about the front end a little bit, about the founders especially. Um, you mentioned that the founders that you, uh, Touchstone has invested in, primarily they're very experienced operationally, but a lot of them have studied, if not all of them, studied overseas as well. Mm-hmm. How does that reflect about the composition and the makeup of the pool of founders in Vietnam? Um, what do you mm-hmm. see the future of that pool being? Are they entirely all studied uh, abroad? Are they those that are maybe a bit younger now, but in five or 10 years, you know, they're living in Vietnam, studying in Vietnam, working in Vietnam. Like our, my company, for instance, we employ our average age is 26. And mm-hmm. mostly our staff and our team um, grew up in Vietnam in this very digital, like uh, native age, um, you could say. Are, are they the next founders uh, that Vietnam will see in a few years? Um, and, and maybe you can paint a picture of why the, that next generation will be essential to driving Vietnam's future, if if at all. Yeah, so um, I think it's, it, um, it actually correlates with, I guess, the evolution of, you know, where young Vietnamese people go. Um, back then in, in my, uh, when I was much younger, a lot of us chose to study overseas and then work overseas and then come back. And that, uh, right now, we see the sort of people in, in our early 30s reflect that sort of like early generation. But then as, as you just shared, the younger generation originally in Vietnam, actually my, I have a really young sister. She's in her teenage year now. For her, it doesn't have to be about study abroad. It's really about where she can be creative and have a community she, she can relate to. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, we, we do expect to see more uh, founders coming from Vietnam uh, in the future. However, I think um, a lot of the companies in, in Vietnam, in terms of like leadership training, in terms of talent development, uh, we also see more and more kind of like, you know, as the leaders of those companies become younger and they they were also educated overseas, then they think about talent development a little bit differently from the previous kind of generation. So we need that sort of like talent development, I don't know, engine inside Vietnam as well. Uh, so that once these younger um, future, uh, founders to be like the people who are working with you right now becoming founders themselves, we know that they've been trained in a good environment. They've worked with people who know how to manage teams. So when they do their their, their work, uh, they have a good uh, kind of reference or benchmark. Hiện nay, Vietcetra Store đã mở bán các sản phẩm trong bộ sưu tập daily Vietcetra thiết kế bởi chính đội ngũ nhà chúng mình nhằm phục vụ cho các hoạt động thương nhật của bạn. 
Nếu bạn là khán giả trung thành và yêu mến nội dung của Vietcetra thì đừng bỏ qua các sản phẩm này nhé. Xem thông tin chi tiết và đặt mua các sản phẩm tại website store.vietcetra.com hoặc nhấp vào đường link ở phần mô tả để đến cửa hàng trực tuyến của Vietcetra. Very good too. Um, and speaking about these future founders, I'm sure a lot of them are working at exciting companies that are potentially innovating on different spaces. What do you have to share to them, those of you that are listening to today that are potentially future founders or want to work at these startups? Um, what are some of the most exciting industries to take a look at now? You know, a lot of young people, they love social media, they love e-commerce, um, you know, being a, a KOL or an influencer. But beyond those, Um, what are some very interesting industries to, to take seriously? Like, is it fintech? Is it healthcare? Why is it that? Uh, why should young people pay attention to those industries in Vietnam? I'm hesitant to say this because as founders, they you know they shouldn't listen to these either. As founders, <laughs> you know, well, I know like you know macro trends actually a little bit behind people who creating things. You know, they the pioneers of the trend rather than following the trends. Um, but in terms of you know actually people who want to uh, create another big startup in Vietnam, I would say uh, looking beyond Ho Chi Minh City and Hanoi. Um, it sounds obvious, um, but you'll be surprised how many people don't do that. And by looking beyond, I actually means you know go live there, go make friends, and have experiences, have mini projects, something that 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 will help them understand life of Vietnam outside of these two big cities in an intuitive manner. So that later on, when whatever market that they chose to be in, uh, and usually it will start from, again, the, the big two cities, uh, they have the background kind of um, uh, insights of how things will scale beyond these two cities. So it's, Vietnam is not just Vietnam. We have so many different regions, so many different accents and you know, local Uh, cultures, um, so understanding that will uh, will be crucial. I think the other thing is um, actually something that that just came up to me right now. Is as as you share how is that a lot of people you know want to be KOLs, they want to be uh, you know creative, uh, you know kind of nomads, and it's all about being the star. Um, And one thing that I would have to tell kind of like the younger generation now, now that I'm a little bit older, is that when you build a company, it's a lot about like building people around you and working with other people and not to be the, the only star. Um, you know, how can they do that? They can experience different things. Um, But really looking beyond being the, the own star, I would say. Actually, when I work with um, founders or CEOs who um, who have a lot of too much of ego or they want to do it just because they themselves to be successful, then it's a little bit of like, I wouldn't say it's a red flag, but it's like, hmm, can this person really have, you know, hundred if not thousands kind of people uh, being inspired and, and followed by, by, by these My uh, my as as a leader, um, I mean, and then I mean, if it, but if you want to ask me in terms of like trends or models, then you know things like fintech, uh, decentralized e-commerce. Um, uh, how do you actually something that I, I think a lot of the young people into um, will naturally 
have a lot of uh, resonance to is that what should you learn as a young person um, to thrive in the future? Because, you know, the, the old model is that you're going to look into kind of like the Google of the world, Google of Vietnam and see what kind of standards, the criteria that they need and kind of train yourselves to be blocked into that. Um, that's good, but we actually don't have just only that. Uh, and, and as Vietnam you know, is evolving, um, there are a lot of more jobs to be created. Um, so how do I prepare myself to not only be a job seeker, but also a job creator? I love the idea of um, having this collective energy rather than individualism. I think, uh, you know, having worked in America myself, I, I think the mindset is very individualistic and that, that does uh, breed a certain type of confidence, uh, but at the same time, uh, disregard for your teammates. Vietnam, I find to be a, a bit more driven by collective energy, which I really enjoy working with. Um, but yeah, people, young people especially, uh, are, are, are increasingly being consumed by, um, you know, accolades and having the influence and, 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 and all that. And I think um, it's important to step back and really identify uh, mentors to work with and, and to be collaborative, especially at a young age. I think that's something very underrated in, in a place like Vietnam today. So it's great to hear a VC um, and a, a founder, of course, to um, uh, share that today to our, our younger audience, at least. Um, two, we... Um, are nearing the end of our podcast mm -hmm. here today, um, but I'd love to touch upon some final uh, comments that you'd like to share to our audience about uh, the Vietnam market and, and VC in general. You know, it's uh, it's a question I get asked a lot, quite quite a bit too. Um, there's just so much focus on Vietnam as this like last frontier in terms of having a very large population size, very exciting macroeconomic trends such as all the manufacturing, you know, that's being shifted to Vietnam from China, which is like leading to this explosive growth. Um, and it's not just like garments and furniture, but it's actually high-tech equipment and cars and all these advanced um, kind of uh, kind of indicators that Vietnam's on the rise. Um, what do you have to share in terms of um, the, I guess the people that still somehow doubt Vietnam as a future like market that people really should pay attention to? It's, it's a place that um, has exciting innovation going on. It's not just the banh mi and the pho and the street food. It's actually quite much more than that. Um, what's what's your elevator pitch that you would share to those that don't know anything about Vietnam? Well, I would have to say it's still a little bit about the good food and coffee and pho we have. I would say it's actually a very entrepreneurial culture and then you live there and we all understand that. But uh, I think that's, that's something that's really special about Vietnam in, in Southeast Asia. So people are hungry and uh, learn, uh, you know, motivated to learn and really uh, working hard. So that's on the kind of like the people side. In terms of capital side, um, we're seeing a lot more funds uh, coming into Vietnam, you know, from early stage all the way up to like say CDE. And that actually will make for a healthy investment um, um, kind of like as an industry because we can finally uh, help startups from day one all the way to whether they're going to go, you know, exit uh, as an M&A or IPO uh, regionally or, or in Vietnam. So that actually, that's actually, I think, in terms of the practical consideration for, for investors, uh, we still, you know, collectively, we still have to highlight quite a bit. So we've seen exits in the, you know, in the range of like a few hundred million. That's really, really possible. So we should be able to see a 
few unicorns, if not more, bigger startups coming up in the next 10 years. So uh, I think one last comment I will say is that if there are startups and founders that you're really finding solutions that work for like 90 millions of people in Vietnam, uh, then they can do it for other emerging markets, if not like in, in even other de developed markets. So I think the, um, the system is not just like replicating innovation coming from the rich countries of the world. We've, we're seeing different problems that coming up in you know globally at the same time so innovation can happen anywhere and um i like to see vietnam as to be like the one of the hallmark countries for that amazing and for those um looking at uh perhaps co-investing with touchstone those on the vc side but also on the startup side looking for funding uh funding from uh, a vc like touchstone uh, the most all-important question in today's show is what are your check sizes and how many are you cutting over the next 12 months? Would love to know um, what, what the numbers stack up for you guys look like. Yeah, so we invest anywhere between 50 grand, 50,000 US dollars all the way to 1 million US dollars. And if the startups are uh, you know, raising more funding and uh, they're doing well, then we're also uh, ready to like, also follow, follow on. Um, in terms of how many startups we're gonna, uh, we expect to invest in the next 12 months, I would say 12, if not more. We've been investing one to two startups per month. Great. So, well, we're looking forward to um, the Touchstone team revealing what those next 12 uh, startups will be over the next year. I'm very keen on seeing Touchstone play a very important role in the VC uh, and startup uh, ecosystem in Vietnam in the years to come. Uh, Tumo, everybody, she's a general partner at Touchstone Partners, the VC fund that's just closed its first, uh, made its first close in Vietnam of a $50 million fund being deployed in Vietnam today and for the years to come. Uh, Tumo, to rather, uh, thank you for your time and joining this episode of Vietnam Innovators. Uh, and everybody, don't forget, uh, th big thanks to our sponsors today, Elsa, English language speech assistant, uh, downloaded on the Google Play Store and the Apple App Store today. Um, it's a AI-powered app that will help you improve your English for those of you learning English to, uh, still today. Uh, it's a great app, Elsa. Check it out. Uh, two, thank you for your time. And we're looking thank forward you. to seeing uh, the track record of Touchstone grow over the years to come. Thank you. Vietcetra's Vietnam Innovator Series is only one of many podcasts hosted by the team. We also have Have a Sip, hosted by our VP of content, Thuy Min, as well as the Vietnamese edition of Vietnam Innovators, hosted by Vietcetra's Chief Operating Officer, Ruby Nguyen. Look out for more podcast production soon from the Vietcetra team. You can also check out the video version of this podcast on our other platforms, such as YouTube and Facebook. New episodes are out every week. So don't forget to subscribe to Vietcetra's Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and YouTube channel for more interesting content. Hey guys, good news. Vietcetera has now officially rolled out a mobile app for Android. Now you can download our mobile app on both the Apple iOS store and the Google Play store right now. More functions are coming very soon, so stay on the lookout.